Aliens? An agent dies, a twin drum magazine on a pistol, motorcycles on rooftops, an inexperienced agent, a fight on a train, oh really? An excavator put the novel use, and Bond dies again? Let's take a shot at decoding the pre-title sequence of the James Bond movie, Skyfall. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. I'm Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. Let's get on track and see where the pre-title sequence to Skyfall takes us. Let's go. The pre-title sequence to Skyfall is the third longest pre-title sequence of the Bond movies, narrowly edging out Spectre for that honor. We're recording this just after No Time to Die premiered and was released in the UK. But while Skyfall has a long pre-title at about 12 minutes, 33 seconds, No Time to Die's pre-title is really about 20 minutes long. Nevertheless, here in Skyfall, a lot is going on, so it'll take a while to get through it all. So let's go. Now this movie opens a little weird for me because it starts with a close-up of Leo the Lion's eye in the MGM logo Uh and then pulls back and then the MGM and Columbia logos look very familiar, but it's like, why are you starting on the close-up of the Lion's eye? Yeah, they did it again in Spectre too. And I thought it was kind of a creative angle, really, (laughs) literally, on presenting the MGM logo. I liked it. I thought it was kind of cool. I haven't gone and watched too many movies in the theater, so I skip over those things. Maybe that's the way MGM's doing it now. I, I don't know. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so then after the MGM and Columbia logos are on, we're presented with a stark, out-of-focus hallway. There's a bright window at the end of it, and a figure steps in the hallway, stops, faces towards the camera, although you can't make out the face. And after standing there for a second or two, the figure slowly walks toward the camera. With the distortion of the out-of-focus camera, Mm. the backlighting of this window, and the way the figure is holding (laughs) his arms, the size of the neck, it almost looks like one of the aliens from the 1977 (laughs) Steven Spielberg movie, Close Encounters (laughs) of the Third Kind. Uh Now, we know that Spielberg and Neon Productions give a nod to each other in many of these movies. I think this might be one of those nods. (laughs) <laughs> it also made me wonder if this was going to be the gun barrel sequence changed yet again for Daniel Craig's Bond. Alas, it wasn't, and the traditional gun barrel with the two dots do happen, but this time at the end of this movie. Now, the figure gets closer to us, yeah. and then you see his left ear. Yep, that's Daniel Craig. <laughs> that's his ear. You can tell by his ear. <laughs> he, he comes closer into the light and in focus, and you see his face, intently staring at something. He holds up his gun and walks to a room. This scene reminds me a bit of the 1998 movie U.S. Marshals when Sam Gerard walks into the room and Uh Newman is dying. Sam stops to try to help him out while calling for help. In this scene, in Skyfall, Bond walks into the room and the agent Ronson is down and needs medical attention. Ronson's down. He needs medical evac. Bond stops to try to help him out. Now, did either of you two get that feel from that? Uh, well, we're not even 30 seconds in, <laughs> and you're catching two callbacks to older movies already. <laughs> yeah, what can, I, what can I say? That's okay. Yeah. Personally, I just think it's another arty way to reveal Bond. For we remember, in Casino Royale from 2006, Bond is introduced in shadow when he's interrogating Dryden. And in Quantum of Solace, we get a fast-paced, fast-edited reveal of Bond. Yeah. Hey, I like the alien reference because... Really, as the figure is walking towards us at first, the shape is odd, and the figure is almost walking bow-legged. I mean, it's very odd gait and a silhouette. The arms are far from the sides of the body, with light shining through the space between them. I mean, it's disturbing and distracting, but I do like the alien reference. Ah, But no, I did not catch the U.S. Marshal part callback, and that's good that you did. Cool. 
All right. I'm not sure if it's really a callback, but it kind of had that feel to me. Yeah, okay. We quickly discover that the main plot of this pre-title is a hard drive has been taken out of a laptop. It has a file on it, like the knock file from Mission Impossible. The plot of this is Bond's attempt to get the drive back. Okay, the action is different. But while Skyfall has a fight on top of a train in the tunnel, Mission Impossible pretty much ends with that. So... There's some similarities again there. So the third callback so far. <laughs> this could get interesting with how much this scene has been influenced by other movies. Yeah. Okay, so then Bond leaves and he's picked up by an agent driving a Land Rover who is following the villain. Now, we don't find out who this agent is until the end of the movie. And at the end of the movie, we find out it is Eve Moneypenny. <laughs> yeah. Now, the scene cuts between the chase and conversations with Tanner and M. One funny part of this scene is when the driver cuts a corner too close, breaking off a mirror, and Bond says... It's all right. You ain't using it. That's a good line, but what the driver does next is even better. <laughs> she purposely crashes the other mirror and says... I wasn't using that one either. Perfect comeback to Bond, and he smiles with his approval. Well, and it's also reminiscent of the verbal interplay between the money penny of old and now. So yeah. it was it kind of shapes that as part of their interplay going forward. Yeah, and it shows some confidence there. Even uh, on Money Penny's part, the agent in the Land Rover is like, hey, I don't need this mirror either. So there, how's that? <laughs> like, okay, that's pretty cocky, yeah, and, actually. And, and Bond, Bond pretty much likes smashing stuff up anyway, so he'd be quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> the chase is around the very windy, close-in streets of Istanbul. While following the villain, they pass three motorcycle police officers who come out after them. During the chase... Lots of carts are upended and people have to scramble, of course, to get out of the way. This isn't the highest speed chase we've ever seen, but the area they're driving through would preclude that, of course. So very crowded, dense. But we've seen chases like this in other Bond movies, like Octopussy, where Bond and VJ are being chased through the Market Street in India and, and others too. The Land Rover tries to crash the Audi that they're chasing by slamming into its side. Bond is in the passenger seat and closest to the Audi. The agents, of course, Money Penny, starts to lose control a bit, and Bond takes the wheel and turns the Land Rover into the Audi. Okay, these kind of things always get me crazy when someone else is going to grab the wheel and control the car better than the person driving it. Okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> but he intended to do this, to, to smash it into the Audi, so I'm going to give him credit for that. Okay. All right, so it flips on its side, the Audi, and skids to a halt after crashing into a stand. That was a pretty cool stunt as the Audi skidded about 50 yards or so before flipping back upright. Of course, the agent crashes the Land Rover into the stand as well. You got to have stuff flying all over the place in a Bond movie. Yeah, what a waste of oranges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm going to add a callback to Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark here. It <laughs> okay. has hints of the bizarre chase in Cairo. There you go. Absolutely. All right, that's a good one, Vicky. Cairo. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the fact that the thing, the the Audi turns back up onto right side up. I just that always yeah that always cracks me up when they do that. It's like oh we're just at the end, so let's put it back to normal. Yeah, yeah, and you know occasionally in real life that happens. So yeah. you know that's good. I'm going with that. All right, Patrice, who's the villain in this scene, gets out of the Audi with a double drum pistol that can fire about a hundred rounds. We talked about this gun in the Gadgets in Spy Movies, Dr. No Skyfall podcast with Joe Papalardo. Now, it's very cool and it is very real. 
Patrice is holding it straight out in front of him with one hand and can't hit Bond with any of these rounds. Yeah. And he shoots a lot of them. <laughs> he shoots a lot of them. But he does take down the motorcycle police officers quite easily. Yeah, well, I, police are easier to hit. I don't I, know. Yeah, I don't get that part, but okay. This happens okay. a lot in Bond movies. So I was surprised he was able to hold the gun out in front of him like he did. I thought it would be quite heavy. Yeah. So you know me. I looked it up. Yeah. You can <laughs> you can get one of these. Uh, uh, if the FBI ever does a search of my Google searches and all this stuff on these guns, I, uh, I don't know. So <laughs> anyways, you can get this 100-round dual drum magazine for a Glock 9 millimeter for about 350 to $400 US. So they're not that expensive. Now, 100 cartridges of 9 millimeter magazines weighs less than three pounds. Add three and a half pounds for the magazine and the gun combined. So he's holding a six to seven pound weapon straight in front of him with one hand. Yeah. So it would be possible for a short period of time, which is what he has here. Yeah. To me, it looked natural and believable. I thought it was fine. I thought, hey, it looked pretty good. I mean, you don't have to have that much strength to do that. Six pounds no, is not that's true. I, I thought it'd be heavier than that. So Yeah. And it's getting fun. lighter as he's firing all those bullets that miss Bond. That's true. <laughs> One of the officer's motorcycles skids to a stop conveniently right in front of Patrice so he can jump on it and take off. Now, very conveniently. Mm. <laughs> yeah, now, like it's not a close-up, but a nice product placement of Bond's Amiga watch as he ha- aims his gun, but he doesn't fire because he doesn't have a clean shot. Uh-oh. We then see Bond take someone's old, not high-end looking motorcycle that looks like it is for carrying stuff to continue the chase. Yeah, like that, that motorcycle is going to be able to keep up with a police motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bond. <laughs> now, Money Penny in the Land Rover knocks out some broken glass and takes off after them with Tana giving her guidance. Yeah, of course, M can talk to both Bond and the other agent on the communication system with no problems, even with Bond riding a loud motorcycle. <laughs> I mean, there are some nice stunts on the motorcycles with both of them climbing stairs into a building and so on, but I love the communication system. It's just uh, spectacular. <laughs> I love a motorcycle chasing a Bond film. Of course, we've seen Craig on a motorcycle in Quantum of Solace, channeling his inner Steve McQueen. But I do have a fondness for the chase in Tomorrow Never Dies when Bond and Wayleen are riding the BMW bike. Yeah, that's true. And that was an exciting one, Vicky. In this chase, they now start riding on top of the buildings, or as Tanner says, the rooftops of the Grand Bazaar. And there's a great shot of a mosque behind them. (laughs) Now, this mosque is an Ottoman mosque. I'm not going to try to pronounce its name because I'll butcher it. And it makes a great backdrop here. We see it many times when they're on the rooftops here in this chase. Mm. Now, one nice touch is as they make their way to crash into the window at the end of the Grand Bazaar, you see another mosque, the Bayezid II. What I like about that is that the first mosque and the second mosque are separated by the Grand Bazaar in real life. So this scene looks authentic. They're going from the one side where the one mosque is to where the other mosque is. It only took me about two hours to figure out (laughs) because I was stupid and didn't search for what mosques are in this movie. I was actually trying to do it through Google Earth. It was just a dumb way to do it. I should have known it in five minutes if I had just done a Google search on it. Anyway, they crash through a window and end up in the Grand Bazaar with Bond still chasing Patrice, and the people in the Grand Bazaar did a great job of staying out of the way. I love the way they just scatter. (laughs) Well, hell, I'd jump out of the way, too. (laughs) Uh, All right. The agent in the Land Rover, who we know is Money Benny, is still driving toward them. She had to use the streets and not the building tops, so she's a bit behind Bond and Patrice. She ends up in a traffic jam and just backs into a car to maneuver around the jam. 
In fact, she hits multiple cars. I love it. Mission first. The hell with the collateral damage. Yeah, she <laughs> really doesn't care. care. Yeah. No concern. Why should? Yeah, and I, I agree with her. The motorcycles are now out of the bazaar and are on the surface streets with Bond still trailing Patrice, whose police motorcycle is much better suited for this type of chase. <laughs> Meanwhile, Money Penny in the Land Rover is making a mess of things on the roads, causing multiple <laughs> crashes. She did not look like she had this chase thing down. <laughs> yet, yet she somehow gets in front of the motorcycles and gets out of the vehicle as Patrice pulls up. How did how did she do that? I don't know. <laughs> Another movie magic thing here. Yeah. He sees her and jumps off of the motorcycle and jumps over what looks like a fence. It was really a bridge over a railway track, and he lands on top of a train. Money Penny shoots at Patrice, but misses. Damn, that would have been a good time to hit him. <laughs> she, she probably hit one of the bystanders with the way she's shooting. I, well, I have a little bit more on that a bit. I, she's obviously not well trained on, on aiming. But of course, no, uh, neither are Bond villains. <laughs> that was my initial thought when I first saw this. She's just randomly shooting without telling anyone to get down. It's just quite chaotic, really. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, Bond revs up the motor on the motorcycle and drives it into the bridge. Not over it, but into yeah. it. This sends him and the motorcycle over the bridge with Bond landing on top of the train. Yeah. This was very well done. I mean, timing is everything here. It is just a crazy stunt. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it is. It's, But it was great that it worked. Of course, he had one shot at that. You know, it's, that didn't work. He's pretty much done. <laughs> but it well, worked. But he it's lands, Bond, so of course it worked. It lands on top of the train. Yeah, he's got training of that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, oh, Dan. Was that uh, yeah, a little pun? pun there? Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, M asks what's happened, and the agent says, they're on the train, Mom. What do you mean they're on the train? I mean, they're on top of a train. Get after them, for God's sake. Yeah. Money Penny is really just a bit clueless. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't seem like a highly trained agent. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would okay. say no. So now we have a chase on top of a train and a fight on top of the train as well. How many movies have we seen this? Let's see. We've got Mission Impossible, Buster Keaton's The General, mm. Spider-Man 2, The Wolverine, The Flying Scotsman, <laughs> or some of them I can think of. I mean, of course, in From Russia with Love, you get that great fight in the train with Bond and Grant. Yeah, there's some top of the train stuff in Octopussy too, and the fight on top of the cable car. It's not a train, but still in Moonraker, in Rio with Jaws and so on. So there's a lot of this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention the circus train fight on Octopussy from 1983. That was quite impressive for its time. Yeah. And you will notice that the train is the same color as the one that's used in Octopussy too, although it is a freight train. Oh, I miss that. Oh, yeah, I miss that too. Yeah, ah, cool. All right. Anyway, as Bond is running after Patrice on top of the train, <laughs> we see some caterpillar machinery. That's the big machinery, earth-moving machinery, and that kind of stuff. Not a little caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to that in a minute. Bond and Patrice start shooting at each other. Bond with single shots. Patrice's gun shoots a lot of bullets very quickly, missing Bond, of course, again. I would think he'd need to reload after that, but... We don't really see that happening. The gun yeah, sounds... This this gun yeah. doesn't have the double barrel on it anymore. No, this... Yeah. He, he released that magazine when 
he fired them all off and got on the motorcycle. Yeah, so it, it how does sounds he get like this many rounds in this. It sounds like it, it, the same though as when he had the twin barrel magazine earlier in the chase, but he dropped that empty magazine when he got onto the police motorcycle earlier. So you didn't have that. So I have no idea how many regular magazines he has on him. He's got them stuffed all over his pockets probably because he's shooting like crazy. But he likes to shoot a lot of bullets and quickly. Bond's just like boom, 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 boom. Okay, probably he's just hoping that because he's such a bad shot, he might hit something if he shoots a lot. (laughs) Again, I think Bond villains need to invest in target practice. (laughs) <laughs> really? yeah. For crying out loud, spend the money on target practice. <laughs> yes. Okay, then back to Money Penny. She is back in the vehicle following the train. But amazingly, M and Tana say she's going out of range and they're going blind. Mm. Yet the communication equipment works fine. Yeah. Now, Tana amusingly calls out to a room of workers, get me CCTV, satellite, anything. It really was pathetic. It's crazy in these movies like Bond and Mission Impossible how good high-tech equipment works until it doesn't. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of like everything. I, I love that. You got that little earpiece. But the other, all these cameras and all this other stuff they lose. <laughs> it doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. <sighs> Even though he's been firing his single shots, Bond runs out of ammunition. But somehow, Patrice keeps firing from his automatic a lot of rounds at a time. (laughs) He does have a larger magazine on the gun, but nothing like a 100-rounder he had earlier. Yeah, he's got pockets full of uh, magazines, I'm sure. (laughs) He's ready. Now, Bond throws his empty gun down and gets into a Caterpillar excavator. All right, all right. It always bothers me when an agent or whoever runs out of ammo and they throw the gun away. I suppose it makes some sense. You don't have any more ammo, but they usually throw it at their target. (laughs) That's the part that really kills me. Yeah, the bullets didn't do any good. They didn't do the trick, but if I hit him with the gun, ah, yeah, ah, that'll be good. (laughs) And I'm very happy here that Bond did not throw the gun at Patrice. (laughs) Just. Thank that would you. have been a long. That would have been a long throw. I know, but they always do. But, he was, God, but Patrice me. would be moving toward the gun because of the way the train was going. So yeah, there, there you go. All right, so we finally see Patrice reload. <laughs> there you go. About time with a new magazine, and he fires at Bond again, missing. Now Bond, still on a moving train, spins the excavator towards Patrice. Hmm, that's pretty okay. cool. You've got a moving train and then the spinning excavator. That's, that's yeah, cool. yeah, diamonds are forever, anyone? Yeah, there is no bathosphere to grab, but it's good to see Bond back at the controls of a machine like this. All right, Patrice fires a lot of bullets at the spinning excavator and finally hits Bond. Hmm, I bet he shot, I don't know, 200 bullets at Bond in this pre-title before one round struck Bond. Maybe, I don't know. Good henchman. <laughs> yeah, and then we find out later that the bullets he was shooting were radioactive, so they were really expensive. So he's yeah. shooting all these really expensive bullets about. Yeah, cost is nothing he's worried about. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. All right, again, you know, he hits him once out of 200. Again, I mean, invest in target practice. I mean, really, in the title sequence, when you continue watching the movie, you see an outline of Bond as a target for target practice. You actually see that in the title sequence. It has marks on it, like 5X, K3, D5, etc. K is a kill shot, D is a disabling shot. So they do have targets 
It's just that they don't use them, I guess. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Vicky mentioned earlier the Omega Watch product placement. Now, yeah. we get another one, better product placement on the Omega, as the camera stays on Bond's wrist and hand as he controls the excavator. The watch is on screen for about two and a half seconds, and it's a very nice watch. Those yeah. Omegas are very nice watches. So when the excavator starts moving towards Patrice, now, again, we have to remember this is a moving train. Bond is driving the cat across train cars and over some Volkswagen Beetles, all with Patrice firing another massive round of ammunition. <laughs> Where does he keep all those rounds? I tell you, he must have backpacks hidden on there or something, There's too. Some, I don't something, know. Something, yeah. He's prepared. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Not trained, but prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So Bond has the excavator shovel in front of him, and most of the rounds are careening off of the shovel. Yeah. I mean, then Patrice finally gets smart, and he shoots out the connections between the cars, uncoupling them. Okay, that's good. We've seen train cars get uncoupled in almost every movie. I mean, that has a train scene. But how James Bond deals with this here, I don't think we've seen before. He uses the shovel of the excavator to crunch through the roof of the car just ahead of him, connecting the cars, and he walks across the boom arm of the excavator. Now that <laughs> is a very cool move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that move too. Very Bondian. Just in his cuffs as he leaps down. Oh, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so shoot the cuffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then Bond and Patrice get into a fight on top of the train with Bond trying to grab the hard drive, which Patrice has on a necklace around his neck. Yeah. Now, Craig performed his own stunts atop of this train. Barbara Broccoli recalls feeling like her heart was in her mouth the whole time it was being filmed. I mean, imagine the risk assessments. Uh, anyway, remember the hard drive? Yeah. That's what the whole pre-title sequence is all about, and it has what they call the knock list in Mission Impossible. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of the song Alice's Restaurant. Oh. We see what the mission is at the beginning, have a lot of seemingly unrelated stuff happen in the middle, and then we get back to why we're here. <laughs> okay, yeah. So this whole mission is about this knockless and the drive that was stolen from the computer, and he's wearing it around his neck. I mean, mm. what the heck is with that? <laughs> Put yeah, it in a secure have, spot. <laughs> if you have something important to carry around your neck's good. That's how I carry my passport when I travel. Yeah, okay, all right. And his pockets were full with ammunition <laughs> yeah, with anyway. Yeah, so, ammunition. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> all this time, Moneypenny and the Land Rover has been following the train. It's kind of amazing, actually, that the road tracks the train for as long as it does here. And just about the time we think that, though, Moneypenny says, hey, there isn't much road. I don't think I can go any further. Well, thank God. I mean, I'm thinking all along, you know, should have run out of road a long time ago. But <laughs> <laughs> whatever. The train enters a low tunnel, and we get the obligatory, everybody must duck or get decapitated move. <laughs> <laughs> you see this in almost every train scene, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, and yes, there is a fight on the outside of the train in the tunnel. We won't recite the whole list of train movies and whatever that this has happened to, but it happens a lot. Money Penny now exits the Land Rover carrying an assault rifle, and she takes aim for when the train will exit the tunnel again. Now, now how <laughs> did she beat the train? Again, she, she beats this train uh, when and as it comes out of the tunnel. 
she's there already with the gun. I'm uh, like, how the hell did she do that? I mean, because the train would be a straight line through the mountain. That's why they have the tunnel to keep it straight. So she'd either have to go up and over or around Yet she was a hundred yards or more from the tunnel exit. <laughs> yeah, and, and was she was she back in the same Land Rover that she started with? Because she's if she is, she's bumped into that many different cars. Surely the the actual Land Rover wouldn't be in best condition for driving anyway. Yeah, she's hit that, she's hit that yeah. many things on the way. They're well, tough vehicles, though. So. Yeah, it's, so it's either movie magic or a continuity problem. Well, I'm God, sure they had to get her there somehow. You get both of those in James Bond movies. They had to get Money Penny there somehow. So there yeah. you go. They they're not going to explain it to us. <laughs> it's like there she is. Okay. All right. So we get a nice shot of the train emerging from the tunnel, as though we're looking through her gun scope, complete with crosshairs. Bond and Patrice are still fighting over the hard drive, and the agent says, I may have a shot. M looks worried. Tanner looks concerned. The fighting continues. These guys are very close together. Not much of a shot for Money Penny as they're moving around and switching positions in the top of the train all the time. Then, in the understatement of the movie, the agent says, It's not clean. Repeat, I do not have a clean shot. All right. Everyone you see at headquarters is looking at the speakerphone with concern on their faces. Now, speakerphone sounds funny to me, but it is a speakerphone. It is a speakerphone. <laughs> it should be higher and, tech than that, but yeah. it looks And like I love it. how they're all looking at the speakerphone like the speakerphone's really the speaker. Yeah, well, we always did that in meetings, too. You look at the speakerphone, we're like, oh, yeah. what's it going to say next? All right, still, the communication devices sound crisp and clear while the HQ people are inside a building with rain on the windows. It's right outside where the train is, though. But even with the distance and the weather differences, no problem with the communication equipment here. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Works fine. It's good. Now Bond is in front of Patrice, now being held by him. He's the largest object in Money Penny's scope. And of course, they are approaching another tunnel. <laughs> yes. Money Penny is running out of time. There's a tunnel ahead. I'm going to lose them. Yet she doesn't have anything close to a clean shot. We've already seen her ineptitude. <laughs> this can't end well. Yeah. yeah, and I love that they're going into another tunnel because that puts the pressure on the scene. It, yes, she's got absolutely. to take the shot or not take the shot, or well, she's, she's not going to catch up to road, them again. So it's not like she can go drive and catch up with the train yeah, again. She's not catching up to them again. Yeah. Nope. All right, so M gives her the order. Take the shot. I say take the shot. This is a brilliant scene with the tension being built even more with the sound effects and really the suspenseful slow build music which is only a few notes and is meant to keep us on edge as we wait and we wait and wait for Money Penny's decision and precision. It really, it's masterful here. Then you have to love M. Focused, focused, focused. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> M is always tough. She's been tough the whole time. Well, I love Judy Dench. It's about M. the mission. Yeah, she is all about the mission. So Money Penny takes the shot, hits Bond, and he falls off the train, which was on a bridge, and he falls into the water a long way down. Now, there's a long pause, and then Money Penny says, Agent down. Ooh, we don't want to hear that. Yeah, you never want to hear that. That's heard on the speakerphone. 
This is very similar to when Jack dies in Mission Impossible and Phelps says, Man down, Ethan. Man down. M turns away, obviously upset. And we see Bond go over a waterfall and float away, which starts the title sequence with the Adele song, Skyfall. Now, there are a number of waterfalls around Istanbul. And I believe that this waterfall is Tordum Waterfalls. From the best I could tell on the research that I, I've done. It's an hour drive out of Istanbul and it is a 157 foot drop, 48 meter drop, which looks about right. So I think that might be the waterfall here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it could be, Dan. Yeah. Now, Bond is shot. He plunges and falls that far down into the water. He gets swept into the waterfall. So, obviously, he's dead. Yeah, of so, course. Because it's a pre-title. So, how many pre-title sequences are we led to believe that Bond is dead? I mean, <laughs> does, does Eon Productions really think the audience is stupid enough to believe Bond dies in a pre-title sequence? I mean, <laughs> essentially, killing him, the movie the franchise or whatever right at the beginning of a movie this i mean this is what the fourth one or so i can think of there's from yeah. Russia with love few you've got yeah you've got thunderball with the casket with jb on yeah, it yeah. you only live twice i like that one now skyfall yeah. i mean yes it's been a while but come on we know better <laughs> oh, God, settle down tom come on <laughs> They're just trying to intrigue us a little and make us wonder how Bond somehow escapes this one. Shot by uh. Money Penny, a long fall into raging waters, over a waterfall. That's what we're supposed to be wondering here, I think. How he gets out of this, not if he will. <laughs> yes, and can you imagine the conversation Money Penny has to have with M? Somehow. I think she may be back behind a desk yeah, for a while. For a lot of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> that may be the end of her field work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With Bond obviously dead, as Tom said. <laughs> well, there isn't much left to see in the pre-title sequence. He's dead. So, okay. Did he get the knock list? Uh, no. That's a massive failure by Bond with no help from Moneypenny who shot him. Because <laughs> he, he never got it. And and he's dead. He's in the water. Even if he had it, then I guess it would be lost or yeah, or they would have been able to find it. But yeah. he didn't get it. Well, yeah. If Bond had it, it could have been destroyed or lost in the water, like you said, Tom, which makes us wonder why M gave the order to shoot Patrice in the first place. Because Patrice did have it. And he would have suffered the same fate as Bond. Okay, there you go. So naturally, that's a wrap of our decoding of the pre-title sequence. Bond's dead. Hopefully, <laughs> somehow Bond survived and we can see the rest of the movie. <laughs> this has been Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. Please subscribe to our show and our YouTube channel called Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. We appreciate it.